that God is mighty to save. It says that He rejoices over us and He quietens us with His love. Isn't it wonderful to be quieted by the love of God? Father, we pray. Lord, would you come? Would you come into the busyness, the pressure, the to-in and fro-in, the back and forth? Would you come, Lord? We just invite you now to come and bring that mighty saving love and grace to us. Lord, we rest in you. And we ask, Lord, that you would quiet us with your love. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, it's wonderful. Over the last month or so, we've been taking each uh, week of the month just to look at what it means to be an extended family. But more specifically, what it means to be an extended family on mission together. I just want us to spend just just a short time now looking at this. He is our Father who welcomes us. God, our Father, rolls out the welcome mat. And he extends a welcome from heaven. He is passionate to meet with us. He is passionate to remind us of who we are. And it's all in the light of his breathtaking, astounding, accepting, forgiving love. You see, this welcome changes everything. It can change absolutely everything. Firstly, it can change how we view ourselves. And it can change how we relate to one another corporately. And this welcome can change how that welcome is extended out of Freedom Church to the ones who don't know him yet. Father God is here and he extends a welcome both to the near and the far. He extends a welcome to the Christian and the not yet Christian. He extends a welcome to the fatherless and to those who have been well fathered. He extends a welcome to the ones with a keen sense of belonging and identity and he extends a welcome to those who are confused and not sure. Today, whomever you are, wherever you come from, 
whatever you may have done and what, whatever others may have done to you, today there's a welcome from heaven. So what does this welcome look like? If you can turn to Luke 15, we're going to have a look at the parable of the prodigal son. In this story, we see a welcome from heaven. We see a beautiful picture of a rebellious, wayward son being welcomed by a running, hugging, kissing, embracing father. Let's have a look. So chapter 15, and from verse 11, it says, Jesus continued. Now Jesus had already told two stories about things that are lost. He told a story about a lost sheep, and he told a story about a lost coin. And at the end of both of these parables, there's something incredible. There's rejoicing. We've already had it this this afternoon. Rejoicing. Rejoicing. Things that were lost become found. And there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got all together he had, set off to a distant country where he squandered his wealth with wild living. We're introduced to a man, specifically a father, and he has two sons at least. And the younger son sets out. What he actually says culturally is, Father, I think of you as dead. And I want to go my own way. That's what he's saying to to his father. The son leaves the family home and he sets off on his own way. Now, a, a Bible definition of sin is going your own way. It means that you turn your back on God, you either think of him as unimportant or dead. And you walk your own way. And this is what we see the son doing. And amazingly, we see the father granting this request. And he heads out for the big lights, the big city, the far off country, with all its promises. And sin can appear so attractive in the bright lights but he's heading for a fall. He's heading straight into trouble. The sun blows everything on wild living and it leads him to a place of great need. Sinful living always leads you into a place of great need. The Bible tells us it's the greatest need actually because sin, when, it, when it's produced produces death and that's the greatest need every single human being in this room has got that one day we will die after he had spent everything 
Look at verse 14. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out as a citizen of the country, who sent him out to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. With everything gone and no help, he finds himself a slave in a foreign land. As Adrian Plass, who's a witty writer, says, he went from affluent to effluent and he finds himself in a field of pigs. Jesus says that everybody who sins is a slave to sin. This is the worst possible place you could find a Jewish man. In the middle of a field surrounded by pigs, unclean in Jewish tradition, making him unclean. And all he had was a menu of pig swill, morning, noon and night. It's in this field, up to his neck, as we like to say up north, he rubbed his neck in it. He has a realisation. Verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will send out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. Another way of saying... Another way of saying uh, he came to his senses is the word repentance. Now, repentance is more than just saying sorry for something that you've done. Repentance means a total change of mind and a total change of direction. It means turning from your own way, from our own way, and turning back, and turning back to God, and turning to His way. Repentance is the key. Repentance is the key to the welcome. And we see this son repenting and turning back home. And this act of repentance opens the door to a breathtaking welcome. Verse 20 says, So he got up. And went to his father. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring a fattened calf and kill it. 
Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Before we can receive this welcome, we need to have an understanding of who's doing the welcome. We need to learn to seek God as he really is. We need to see him as our father. The Bible, has, the Bible in the Old Testament has many names for God. In the Old Testament, it's wrote in Hebrew. And the Hebrew language, there is 2,570 ways. The 2,570 times is referred to as Elohim which simply translated means God. 6,823 times. I hope you appreciate, you know, this took me all week to count these. I hope you appreciate this, you know. 6,823 times he is called Yahweh, which means something like always. And it's translated into the English Bible as the Lord. And 300 times the Hebrew scriptures use the name Adonai. I think I've said that right. Which is translated Lord. And there are Hebrew words beginning with El. Such as El Shaddai. Which is translated Almighty God. That's what the Old Testament Hebrew scriptures reveal God as. The name in the New Testament for God as revealed by Jesus himself is Father and we see this Father go out to this filthy stinking son and he's not a cold distant emotionless Father but we see this passionate running hugging kissing Father And we see this incredible welcome from heaven. Now the religious listeners, they would not have liked this description of the father, of the father in the story. And they really wouldn't have liked it if at all it were pointing to who the father in heaven was, Yahweh. Now 14 years ago, I'd have probably related most to this prodigal, filthy, stinking son. Far away, trapped in addiction, trapped in sin. And I turned back. And when I turned back, I was embraced by my Father in heaven. I expected judgment and I received mercy. I expected to wipe my nose clean. But he gave me grace to live. I expected to be ostracized. But I was welcomed in. And I've been rereading this story. And the only thing is, there's another son in the story. And this is 14 years on. And this is the son... Over this last few months, maybe even years, I've been relating to again. Meanwhile, the older son was in a field. When he came near to the house, he heard the music and the dancing. 
So he called one of his servants and asked what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed a fattened calf because he has, has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill a fattened calf for him. I think sometimes the parable of the prodigal son is unhelpful in the Bible. When, when they, when they uh, separated the Bible verses and that, they put headings and they put the parable of the lost son. But Jesus wasn't specifically talking to this wayward, sinful people. He was talking to religious people. He was talking to people who thought they got it all together. But in reality, they were probably further from the father than the wayward son who had come back to him. We don't see the end of the story. Jesus doesn't give us the end of the story. We don't know what happens to these religious people. But there's hope. Because it says that the father goes out to him. Just as the father went out to the wayward, he also comes to the churchgoer. He also comes to the religious people. He also comes to those who think they've got it all together. The father goes out. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he is found. See, when you're a family on a mission, you can sometimes, you can sometimes hear the word mission and not hear the word cared for or loved or pastored extended family together on mission is pastoral and I just want us to spend a few minutes just looking at a few pastoral things from this story because I think it'll help us see what God don't come he don't come and sit in the pig swill ways there's a big puddle of pig swill and we sit in it and we feel sorry for ourselves and we do the woe is me believe me I'm talking about myself we do the woe is me and we sit in this big puddle of pig swill God don't come and sit in, sit in it with us God offers an hand he comes out and he says son daughter 
come. I'll restore. I'll clean. But I've also got purpose for you. When you hear the word missional, please do not, please do not think pastoral care goes out the window. Because the best way to pastor is to come to him, let him deal with you, and let him move you into purpose and destiny together. When we hear the word Father, there's extremes. One of the extreme, one of the positive extremes is that we hear the word Father and we hear fondness, we hear kindness, we hear faithfulness, we hear he were there. On the other side of the extreme, we are <coughs> abusive, uncaring, manipulative, painful, traumatic. And then you've got those in the middle. Who God has worked in their lives, yet can still be carrying wounds from their earthly mothers and earthly fathers. And what we can tend to do with these is then project them onto God. This is what God's life like. I mean, if it's a caring and faithful father who's there, that's great. And we rejoice in that. But it's still a pale reflection. If it's an abusive father and an absent father, we can project that onto God. And it can appear distant. It can appear cruel at times. This can leave us with a skewed view of who God is and what he's like. If we only see God as a lawgiver and judge, we may have a wonderful understanding of our legal right before God and in Christ, being justified by faith. But we still may have a mindset of a slave. And we fail to experience joy. Joy coming from intimacy with the Father through an adoption which is bore by the Holy Spirit in his lives. J.I. Packer, who's a Bible commentator, says this. Justification by faith is a foundational blessing to the gospel. But he goes on to say, unfortunately... This can lead to a neglect to what he calls the highest blessing of the gospel, which is the doctrine of adoption. We are adopted sons and daughters of our heavenly Father, and it's through Jesus Christ, born by a work through the Holy, by the Holy Spirit, to understand the welcome of heaven and receive all the joy of its blessings. We need to let the word of God 
reverse our projections. We need to let the word of God project into our hearts who we are and where we're going. We need, we need it to inform us of our identity and our relationship with God. We need to let Jesus, the living word, teach us and straighten out our wrong thinking of who God is and how we relate to God as a father. We need to open our hearts to the Holy Spirit to do a work by which we can cry together. A freedom cry. Abba, Father. Bringing freedom and healing. It says of the the glorious freedom of the children of God. The cry goes out. Abba, Father. There is another son in the story. And it's a son... Who's telling the story? Now, Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. He came to bring us back to the Father. Jesus revealed to us how we're to relate to God. Jesus spread out his arms on the cross, and it allowed a welcome to come from heaven. As he stretched out his arms, we can now receive and be welcomed to the Father through Jesus the Son, giving him glory. Thank you. That is an amen. When we call God Father, we are clearly demonstrating we understand what Jesus came to do. And what Christianity is clearly about. No other religion do you hear them calling God Father. Jesus revealed God as Father. All this is made possible because of Jesus' death on the cross. On the cross, Jesus took all our waywardness, all our sin. The welcome embrace from heaven came from a crucified saviour. Instead of judgment, we receive a robe of righteousness. God on the cross made Jesus, him who knew no sin, to be sin for us so that we could be right with God. So that we could be the righteousness of God. God comes to us with a welcome and he comes and puts a robe around us. He cleanses us. He forgives us. He embraces us. Just if I'd never sinned. He puts a ring upon our fingers. Instead of being a slave a long way from home, we can receive a welcome from a passionate, welcoming Father. We are sealed with a ring of sonship. If you put a D onto adopt, what's it say? Dad opted. Dad opted for me. 
Dad opted for you. Before the foundation of the world, God chose you and predestined you to be blameless children of God. The Holy Spirit confirms this, and there's an experience by which we can cry, Abba, Father. As bare feet aren't covered in pig's will, and they're not blistered from busyness trying to get God's approval. Because he puts sandals on his feet. And these sandals are the gospel. Extended, extended family on mission together is about sandals on your feet. With no socks, by the way. <laughs> it's not a rule, but it's just an encouragement. <laughs> the beautiful gospel beautiful are the feet who bring good news and father in heaven has welcomed and put and put sandals on his feet it changes everything it changes how we see ourselves. God's doing this in me you probably can see it more than I can what he's still doing in me it's not hard when you're in a small church there's no hiding God's still doing it in me. But it changes everything. And it is changing everything. And it cha- it's, it'll change how we relate to one another. We've all got these scars and hurts and how we rub each other up the wrong way. And we misunderstand each other sometimes. But God's about getting down to the root because if God gets down to the root then you start to get some fruit God is at work in our lives allow him he'll not push his way into your life he's not that dad he's not that dad And he's not this distant one who never shows any emotion. He's not that dad. Let the Holy Spirit teach us together who he is and what he's like. I touched on unity. And I just want to leave with this scripture. And I I just, I, I want to pray for myself. I want to pray for us. But it comes at the end of it comes at the end of Romans and it's something that's just really striking me at the moment but may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ that together together, you may with one voice one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. That's the SV version. The New, the new International Version says, accept one another as Christ has accepted you. 
We may never agree on every theological point. We may never agree on how we do church. We may never agree on the, on the external doctrines that are around the Christian faith. But one thing we can agree on today is that we will welcome one another. We will accept one another just as Christ has accepted us. That means you will not agree with everything I say. You probably haven't today. And I'll not agree with you. But somehow we've got to work it out together. Because Christ has accepted us. The Father has accepted us and he's opened our arms to come into him.